Welcome to the Joe Watt Podcast. I'm Joe Vendermini from the Range Cattle Research and Education Center at ONA. And today our guest is Mr. Clint Rollerson. Clint, thanks for being with us today. Thank you very much. And Clint, I would like to ask you please to give a little background information about yourself. Well, I am a fifth generation rancher here in, in the state of Florida. Uh, my central job is with Half Circle L Ranch in Immokalee. I do run a small consulting cattle working company on the side that I take care of some outside cattle like JB Ranch is one of them. And then uh, also train horses. Mm -hmm. I've I, uh, been training horses all my life. So my kind of my uh, main focus is starting colts mm -hmm. and then getting colts ready for either ranch horses or uh, some cutting people. And I even do some barrel horses, some young barrel horses we get started. The best way to start them is in the woods anyway. So we find that they do better after that. And, and Clint, talking about this ranch horse, mm -hmm. we, we have seen changes in the ranching business, um, you know, going to smaller ranches or, you know, the development going towards the ranches. Mm -hmm. And do you think that changed somehow how we use and the importance of the ranch horses? I don't think it should change it. I, I think in some, maybe some places it's changed it, but still the best way and the, mo the most efficient easy, gentle way to handle cattle on the ranches with a horse. Uh, we find that, you know, my, you know, we see people do it with four wheelers and out west they do it with helicopters and things like that. Still the most efficient, easy way to check your cattle, doctor your cattle, gather and move is with, is with a good horse. And, and have you seen changes now with the horse over these, let's say, 30 years? Oh my goodness, yes. You know, we've, we've brought better genetics into the state of Florida with the horses that we get. You know, in the western United States for, you know, a lot longer than that, they've had good genetics there with the big ranches and the, and they brought genetics in a long time ago with the quarter horse. But in the state of Florida, you know, when I was a kid, a lot of people rode the old cracker horse. Well, you know, um, we've moved away from that, to, to put it nicely. Uh, we've got more size, more bone, uh, better genetics, And horses that can just, you know, they work for people like me. I'm I'm not a really small guy, so I like a horse under me that is a big, stout horse, just mm -hmm. my preference. Some people like the smaller horse, but I like a bigger, stouter horse. So kind of the size and genetics of these horses has really changed. And do you also think that the the trainers and riders, they change as well? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you bet. They, they really have. You know, we're all copycats. You know, so we we look at other trainers and we learn from them. And I've been fortunate enough to grow up with some really good trainers and and learn from some cutting horse people and uh, and some ranch horse guys that that really taught horses rather than just getting on them and going. Uh, I work, uh, I compete in some colt starting competitions, and you know, and I watch every other trainer that's there. When I go, I, I try to pick up something every time I go, and the trainers have learned you know and nowadays with the access to the internet you can watch trainers from all over the country and even all over the world because i watch some guys in australia but yes it's, it's changed a ton and just the approach to a horse and, you know we don't necessarily just tie one up and get on him anymore it's we put a little bit more work into him and then get him get in the saddle uh when it's time and then when when by the time we get in the saddle they're ready to go 
And and Clint, if you are going out to get a horse, mm -hmm. let's say for you, mm -hmm. so what are you looking at uh, on the on the confirmation standpoint and on the riding and skills as well? Okay, I am going to look for genetics uh, that have some performance in them uh, and some cutting. I like the I like a little bit of a mix of the uh, they say the Hancock type horse that's a little bigger, stronger horse. And usually go more towards the the roping end of it or, or whatever that is, but good solid ranch horses. But I also like some of that cutting blood in there uh, that gives you that little bit more cow. As far as confirmation, uh, I like something with a big bone and a big hip. He's and he needs for me. He needs to be at least 15 hands. Uh, I'd prefer him to be around 15, one, 15, two, something, something that looks good. Of course, you know I want him. I want him to be that. That, that prototypical solid ranch horse that can hold up day after day. And if I need to go rope a bull, I can go rope a bull. Or if I need to ride out pairs, I can ride out pairs. Whatever I need to do is what I'm looking for. And if you have to give an advice to somebody that got a ranch, but they are not really familiar with the horses, right? We have plenty of new producers. You mm -hmm. know, they... A lot of people wanted to get in the cattle business, mm -hmm. and then there's probably this step. I need a horse, right? Right, but they are not familiar with that. Right. So if they they need to get a horse, what would be the advice that you give to them? Cheap is not good, and good is not cheap. <laughs> uh, I would advise them to find a good trainer, a reputable trainer, or a reputable reputable ranch that they could go get a ranch horse from. Uh, something that's going to fit their skill level because some you know just like you said some people are new to it but someone riding wise that is going to fit their skill level and also be able to get the job done that they need to do i think finding that reputable trainer that you can spend some time with let that trainer kind of figure you out and then be able to fit you with a horse that works for you uh, that probably be my best advice is to find someone that can fit a horse to your skills and and Clint, on on the other side is to keep that horse mm -hmm. sound, yes, and you know fed well, Absolutely. healthy. Mm -hmm. So and what are the points thing? Because that's a major cost, right? People people think the horse may be expensive, and that's the cheapest thing that you're gonna buy. Yes, because then you have to maintain the horse no to doubt. the point that that horse will perform. No doubt. So uh, what would be I think. On that scenario, something that also you would share with us. For me, and I do, I talk about this with guys all the time. Uh, as far as horse maintenance, if if a horse is standing in my barn, he gets two things. He gets alfalfa hay, and he gets a good solid feed. There's different brands of feed. I feed a Purina. Um, I feed a Purina 1010. It's a 10% fat, 10% protein with alfalfa hay. I get great great results out of that my horses stay big strong healthy the main thing for me in the alfalfa hay is i don't have the gastrointestinal problems i don't my horses don't colic the alfalfa keeps them moving inside and keeps things pushed through and keeps them clean so i don't have the colics in mind because i don't have a lot of grass where i'm at they're you know they're shut up in the stall a lot and if i feed a, a lower quality hay uh, that's where i get in trouble and I've, I've tried it. I've tried it all. And if I feed a lower quality hay, I end up with colics or maybe not a full colic, but a bellyache. Or if I see them go off their feed because 
they're not having that uh, energy and that hay and the roughage, the green roughage to move things through. They have to have something green. As far as I see this a lot in like young cowboys and and I, I tell them all the time that you're going to get up in the morning at 4.30 and you're going to saddle this horse and you're going to ride him hard until lunch and you're going to get off of him and hopefully you have watered him somewhere along the way and then you're going to get back on him and ride him again till dark take him home and feed him good because mm -hmm. i want him to feel just as good the next morning when i get on him as i did as i did the first day i got on him um, as far as me and and with training horses i like to feed horses well too because i have a little bit of philosophy on that i want that horse feeling good while i'm training him i don't want to have to make him hungry to cooperate with me uh, if he feels good while I'm training him, then when I send him back to whoever sent him to me, whether it's a, uh, you know, an elderly person that just rides for fun or, or a cowboy that rides every day, that horse is going to stay consistent in his performance and his attitude. Because if I don't feed him well while I'm riding him and he feels bad, what happens when I send him home and then all of a sudden they feed him well and he feels better than he did when I had him? Is he going to buck him off? and or you know just not be that same horse so i'm a i'm a big proponent in feeding one well and taking care of it and on the on the hobby standpoint right as you mentioned somebody that will keep a horse at the house and that is becoming i think more popular mm -hmm. you know every everybody want a horse such as they want a dog or a pet or a, a cat or yep. or any other pet right yep and and i think a, a lot of the people that are related very closely to horses i see uh you know some negative comments because they think that's detrimental mm -hmm. but uh, the way that i see i see that that also is an opportunity mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. because uh, as you mentioned th they need a help it's, yeah. a, it's an opportunity for me because right. as as a you know a trainer i get these horses these people send me problem horses and I get to work them and I know other cowboys that do the same thing so for me for me it's not not a detriment to it mm -hmm. as long as they're feeding and taking care of them that's my only thing is people that buy the horse because it's a great idea in their mind and then they realize that it costs too much to take care of it and then after a little while the new wears off so they're not using it like a for as a tool such as right. we are so the new wears off and then the care falls off and the care wanes and, and they don't take care of them. That to me is the only problem. But as far as people owning horses, you know, I always said that if I didn't need a horse, I don't know that I would own one because they are so much to take care of. But I don't have a problem with anyone having them. And that's what keeps me kind of going too. And Clint, uh, besides the work that you do with cattle and horses, so you also uh, uh, author? Yes. For a book, can you yes, please sir. tell us a little bit about the book and well, what I'm, that about? I'm fifth generation cowboy here in mm -hmm. the state of Florida. My my grandfather moved here to the Immokalee area in 1929. Married my grandmother in 1930, right here outside of Immokalee. And I love the my heritage and the history of my family and the cattle business and, the, and in this area. So... When I was a young guy, I used to say all the time, because I'd hear these stories, and I'd say, I'm going to write a book one day. I'm going to write a book one day. And I kept saying it, kept saying it. So then, in my mid-40s, I started writing some cowboy poetry. 
and I would put some of these stories into rhyme and someone said one day they said you know you ought to put all this in a book so finally uh, in 2016 I finally decided that I was going to publish a book and I jumped off in it and published it and it's done quite well and I'm really you're when you know that things are good is when the people that it pertains to like it. You know, the cowboys like it, the old cattlemen like it. And that's the stuff that really makes it a success to me. When I wrote the book, I said, you know, I'm going to sell a few books and I'm going to give a whole lot of books away. Well, it's been kind of the opposite. We've sold a lot of books and, and it's been received really well in the industry. We've sent books to all over the country as far as Canada and California and you know all over the US so uh, it's been it's been a real treat how well it's been received and if somebody would like to to get a book how what would be the best they way they can they can look it up online it's uh it's under my name Clint Rollerson and the name of the book is Cowboy Legacy a lifetime in the saddle and if they want to look at it uh, look it up just google me and it pops up and you, you can find it pretty easy great uh, Clint, we are going towards the end of our uh, conversation today. So uh, one question that I ask everybody that I talk to is when you are not working, uh, what is one of your hobbies? What do you like to do on the side? That... I am a fast pitch softball coach. I've been a fast pitch softball coach for over 20 years now. All three of my daughters played fast pitch softball, had really successful careers, and, and uh, all of them went to college and played and uh, all on scholarship. I tell people I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I got three kids through college and I don't owe anyone a dime. Yeah. So, uh, and I still coach to this day. My girls have been out of it for a while. I say out of it, two of them still coach with me, but my last one graduated college in 2012. So we, are, we still coach and give back to the game and the game's been good to our family. So that's kind of our other thing that we do as a family. That's interesting. Yeah, Clint, thank you so much for being with us today. And I am Joe Vendramini. Joe what? <laughs>